All right, all right, everyone. Welcome to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, and we are listening to Nipsey Hussle. No, you're listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where we are creating Satoshi Millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time, and that, ladies and gentlemen, means you. I am your host, Naja Roberts, a.k.a. Young Harriet, and my mission in life is to lead my people out of financial slavery. Ladies and gentlemen, today is one of the last days of Women's Her Story Month. and observance of Women's Her Story Month, I have been reading quotes. And today is going to be no different because this is our last day of Women's Her Story Month. And I have a quote that I read when I got a visit yesterday from a fabulous uh, personality on KBLA. She came to my office to help me with my book that I am publishing. And she came and she gave me her card and she showed me her fabulous books. But she had a quote and I absolutely loved her quote. So I am going to read her quote. Her name is Mache Duffy. Some of you may or may not know her. She is the personality on Saturdays and Sundays, and you need to check out her show. Uh, But she is tremendously helping me uh, as she steps up uh, to the plate to help me with this book, because we are getting this book out, Come Hella High Water, as my grandfather would say. We're going to get it out, and we're going to make this thing happen. And so I want to thank Mache, but I also want to thank her for this quote. And her quote says, like a flower. No longer willing to stay wedged inside of its bud. We grow, we blossom, and become something beautiful from being broken open. Mache Duffy. And so I just absolutely love that quote. We are here. We are blossoming. This space is blossoming. Uh, We are all beautiful. And we are actually Uh, Becoming something beautiful from something that's been broken and our financial system has been broken and we are uh, just blossoming. And I'm just really excited about that. And metaphorically, I think it fit perfectly with what we're doing here in the cryptocurrency space. And because this is Black History Month, I decided to read one of my favorite poems to pay homage to all Black women, all brown women, all Caucasian women, all women all around this world. But specifically today, because this is about what we as black women face, again, being the last day in Women's Her Story Month, I am going to read a poem. This is a rather long poem, but I really feel that our community needs to hear this. If you haven't heard it before, please open up your ears and be on your anticipatory tiptoes to hear uh, this brilliance. But if you've heard this before, just really sit back and wait for your favorite part. But this is one of my favorite poems. I Nobody even knows who wrote it. But today, because I have the opportunity, I am going to read it. And it says... On April 15th, 1999, at 11.55 p.m., while struggling with the reality of being human instead of a myth, 
the strong black woman passed away. Without the slightest bit of hoopla, medical sources say that she died of natural causes. But those who knew her knew that she died from being silent when she should have been screaming, milling when she should have been raging, being sick and not wanting anyone to know because her pain might inconvenience them. She died of an overdose of other people clinging on to her when she didn't even have enough energy for herself. She died from loving men who didn't love themselves and can only offer her a crippled reflection. She died from raising children alone and for being the person who tried to do a complete job. She died from the lies that her grandmother told her mother and that her mother told her about life, about men and racism. She died from being sexually abused as a child and having to take that truth everywhere she went with her every day of her life, exchanging the humiliation for guilt and back again. She died from being battered by someone who claimed to love her and she allowed the battering to go on because that was her way of showing that she loved him too. She died from asphyxiation coughing up blood from secrets that she kept trying to burn away instead of allowing herself the kind of nervous breakdown that she was entitled to, but only white girls could afford. She died from being responsible because she was the last rung on the ladder and there was no one under her that she could dump on. The strong black woman is dead. She died from multiple births of children she never really wanted but was forced to have by strangling morality of those around her. She died from being a mother at 15, a grandmother at 30, an ancestor at 45. She died from being dragged down and sat upon by unevolved women posing as sisters. She died from pretending the life she was living when a, was a Kodak moment instead of the 20th century post-slavery nightmare. She died from tolerating Mr. Pitiful just to have a man around the house. She died from lack of orgasms because she never learned what made her body happy and no one took the time to teach her. And sometimes when she found arms that were tender, she died because people discriminated against her because those arms were someone of the same gender. She died from sacrificing herself for everybody and everything when what she really wanted to do was be a singer, a dancer, or some magnificent other. She died from lies of omission because she didn't want to bring the black man down. She died from race memories of being snatched, snatched and raped, snatched and whipped, and snatched and worked to death. She died from tributes from her counterparts who should have been matching her efforts and instead of showering her with dead words and empty songs. She died from the myths that would not allow her to show weakness without being chastised by being lazy and hazy. She died from hiding her real feelings until they became monstrously hard and bitter enough to invade her womb and breast like angry tumors. She died from always 
lifting something from heavy boxes to refrigerators. The strong black woman is dead. She died from punishments received, from being honest about life, racism, and men. She died from being called bad words for being verbal, a dyke for being assertive, and a whore for picking her own lovers. She died from never being enough of what men wanted and for being too much for the men she wanted. She died from being too black, and then she died again for not being black enough. She died from castration every time someone thought of her as only a woman and treated her like less than a man. She died from being misinformed about her mind, her body, and the extent of her royal capabilities. She died from knees pressed too close together because respect was never a part of the foreplay that was being shoved at her. She died from loneliness in birthing rooms and loneliness in abortion centers. She died from shocked, being shocked in the courtrooms where she sat alone watching her children being legally lynched. She died in bathrooms with her veins busting open with self-hatred and neglect. She died in her mind fighting life's racism and men while her body was carted away and stashed in human warehouses being spiritually mutilated. And sometime when she refused to die, when she refused to give in, she was killed by the lethal images of blonde hair, blue eyes, flat butts rejected by the OJs and the Quincy's and the Portiers. Sometimes when she was stomped to death by racism and sexism, executed by high-tech ignorance, while she carried her family on her belly, her community on her head, and her race on her back. The strong black woman is dead, or is she alive and well? That's an unknown author, and when we come forward, we're going to talk with one of those women because she is alive and well. This is KBLA Talk 1580. In a moment, more with Naja Roberts as we get ahead of the crypto curve on KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, on our way to Washington, D.C., uh, the black and brown Latin Latinx community is headed to the west steps of Capitol Hill. And we're going to be talking to we're going to talk to each other, obviously, but we're going we're making sure that uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate is hearing some of the things that we're saying and. You know, there are some people behind the scenes that are really making some things happen. And they're unsung heroes. They're unsung heroes in our space. And I say that because a lot of times uh, when we see, I, I call them uh, individuals that are camera ready. We see uh, black leaders in our community that really kind of only show up when the cameras are there. Some of the people that I'm going to be introducing the next two days are there without the cameras. They are on planes. They are on phones. They are the crypto abolitionists that 
uh, that we actually need because they're doing things behind the scenes. They're not taking credit for some of the things that are happening uh, in our favor in our communities. Uh, but because they're in the cryptocurrency space, they really understand how important it is that right now we help shape policy. And how do we shape policy? You know, a lot of times uh, we are in our communities always talking about get out and vote. But a lot of times things have already been decided as far as what is actually going on that ballot. And for the first time, uh, I'm going to just talk about me personally. I want to be present and heard before things even get on the ballot. And so I reached out really early on to the sister uh, that you'll be talking to or listening to a little later in our show. Um, I called her and I said, you know, whatever I can do to help, let me know. I'm not, you know, never have been one of those people that have been um, really familiar with Capitol Hill and Congress and Senate and all those things and the House of Representative. You know, I, I made a joke when I got to college, when I was at Bethune-Cookman College, when we were in our classes talking about the whole political thing. You know, I said, you know, I thought that was just a cartoon. I don't know if any of you are as old as me when they had that cartoon that said, I am only a bill. I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. I never forgot about that cartoon. And it really resonates now that I'm learning how these bills are passed, what has to take place. But even before these bills are written, before these are introduced, we need to have a say. And so that is what several individuals are doing and I'm just a supporter of what they're doing, and I'll be there to support it. Um, but I didn't even really, uh, again, really start to really pay attention to these things until I got into this cryptocurrency space because I kind of always felt like what's there is there. And like, yeah, we're voting, but we're really not making a real, real difference because at the end of the day, you know, we still have to. Uh, just adhere to whatever they say anyway. And so, you know, and, and again, not getting all the way into the political realm, just trying to figure out like where I fit into the scheme of things. Why is it that we as African-Americans are always promised stuff when people get to the White House, they just do what the heck they want to do anyway. So I started reading um, and starting started to really try to figure out how these things are coming about and how they affect our community specifically. And again, this young lady that I am about to introduce, I actually honored her, as you all know, because a lot of you listen in from the beginning of the of the month. Uh, her name is Clev Mesador. Uh, she is one of our unsung abolitionists in this space. And I want to bring her on today to talk about what we will be doing. And again, I am following everything that she says tooth and nail. I'm paying attention. She was um, she actually worked in the White House during the Obama administration. There's there's just and and he appointed her to do some things. I just really want to share her with you all. She is a personal, personal uh friend. I got an opportunity to meet her last year in person in DC. And so without further ado, we have Clev with us. Clev, welcome to KBLA Talk 1580. How are you today? Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm humbled by your introduction. But I feel like I could say the same about you. The work that you're doing is just so, so incredible. And we are all so fortunate to be in this journey with so many 
powerful voices who are doing such amazing things. So thank you for having me on and thank you for the work that you're leading. Well, thank you. And just really quickly, can you tell folks, because I know you you graced us with about 15 minutes, so we want to get everything. But can you just kind of let everyone know? And I did honor you earlier this month, so they I know that they remember. Yeah. But can you tell us what you've done in the White House and around that whole political realm? Yeah, yeah. So I... I as you know, as your audience may know, I lead the National Policy Network of Women of Color and Black Chain, but I'm also an advisor to the Black Chain Association. But I, the industry just recently created a Black Chain Foundation to focus on education, and I was just appointed the executive director for that. Congratulations. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I'll be shifting my priorities to focus on education for the industry. But in terms of my background, it has been an interesting journey here, which I capture in my book, which is called The Clevolution, My Quest for Justice in Politics and Crypto. But it's really about this intersection for me, politics and crypto. I, I am a Howard University graduate. I started my career at CNN's Washington Bureau and got, fell in love with politics. And I worked in Congress for two members, including Barbara Lee from California. And, and then I served in the Obama administration. I was very privileged to be a presidential appointee and focus on innovation and entrepreneurship. I, most people don't realize that, you know, that first term was really about creating jobs, 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 and figuring out how to do that. So we had a plan to infuse innovation and entrepreneurship into the economic development, development, development model. And today we're so happy and thrilled to see so many innovations that I believe came out of the administration. Now, now, you know, I, I will say the reason I left Washington because I became a bit disillusioned that I couldn't make the change that I wanted there, that, you know, that politics wasn't that, that activism, that level of activism that I wanted. But it was interesting because it was during the Obama administration in 2013 that I first learned about Bitcoin, which stayed in my radar. And in 2015, 2016, when the conversation opened up beyond Bitcoin, beyond the currency to intellectual property protections, identity management, supply chain management, those, those you know, aspects and features and applications hit my sweet spot a bit more. And in 2016, I just started learning as much as I can. In 2017, I was all in, full-time crypto. And it's been an interesting journey to be here. And along the way, I've met so many great innovators like yourself and others who are doing such great things. And I hope your listeners know that it is because of the work, Nigel, that you did and others did, that today the data shows three different data sets show that Black and Latino communities lead national adoption by double digits. That's because of the work we've been doing, bootstrapping with no resources, right? So there would be no industry without us. So that's what April 4th, April 4th is all about, right? I, I got your email the other day, yet another, you know, who's who that leaves us out, right? We have one token or two there. But the data shows there would be no industry without us. Why are we still hidden figures? Why are we in the blind spot of Washington, of the industry, of the media? We have to change that around. And it's clear 
if we don't inject ourselves, if we don't push our way in, they, they all think, oh, we're just going to be their, their consumers. Isn't that so wonderful? No, we came to this space. We educated our communities to become owners and producers, not to be relegated to consumers. So I'm excited about, you know, Monday. It was just an open call to anyone and everyone to come, and everybody has just embraced the idea, taking it as theirs. So it would be a decentralized, you know, day from 12 to 5 p.m. on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. I just had a call with NBC News. They're planning to cover the rally. We've gotten inquiries from other media outlets. Members of Congress will be there. So, you know, and, and Naja's going to be one of our moderators for the day. So it's really not an advocacy day, not a policy day. It's really a show-and-tell day, right? Because we need to start with, look at us, see us, we are here. Because despite the numbers, we continue to be ignored. And, and, and policy is still moving forward. Industry is making decisions. Media are still covering this as if we're not there. And we have to change that dynamic. Yes, yes, yes. And I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing. So uh, is there a website that someone would need to register on to get involved with the event on Monday in D.C.? Well, there's a there's a link that we're floating that people can register, but it's really one of those just show up. Right. Okay. We wanted so I'm on Twitter. I'm at C Mezzi, so folks can reach out to me. I know you have the information on your Twitter account. Yes. You know, Deirdre McIntyre has the information on Black People in Crypto. Blockchain Latinx has that information. I'm talking to Web3 Familia, one of the Latinx groups tomorrow. They're, they've been putting outreach. So it's really an open call. Again, decentralization means that nobody needs permission. So come one, come all, show up for an hour, for 30 minutes, for all day, you know, we really want to celebrate each other and make sure that we put a spotlight on each other. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for gracing us with your time this afternoon. Well, evening, your time. But we really, really thank you for coming on today. And I am so looking forward to seeing you on Monday on the steps of Capitol Hill. I'm excited about Yay. that. And, um, you know, anything that I can do between now and then, please feel free to reach out. And I just want to bid you a fabulous rest of your day. And we appreciate you again for coming on. And we are bumping up against news and traffic. And I just appreciate you, Clev. You have an incredible rest of your day. You too. All right. Thank you. And this is KBLA 1580. You have the right to remain silent, but don't. don't. Let them hear you on KBLA Talk 1580. Less BS per broadcast. Fewer microaggressions per megawatt. KBLA Talk 1580. All right. All right. And we are here. Uh, We just had the fabulous Clev Mesador on, and she said the name of her book. Uh, I hope you all heard it. It is called Clevolution, Clevolution, and it is an incredible book. Uh, That was one of the first books that I read uh, talking about how we can be uh, changing and talking in the political realm. And so it's a great book for you to pick up.
And then there's also uh, some other books. If those of you that are looking to find out about Bitcoin law um, and how this how this actually works, there is um, there's actually several books coming out. And I want you all I'm going to have you all Google because our black Bitcoin billionaires, they actually came together to write a book as well. And I want to make sure that I have the name proper. I don't have the book with me today. I should have brought it with me. So I have it. Uh, but you can reach out to me and I'll give you those book reads. Um, it's it's the American Bitcoin and the American dream. There it is. It came up in my head. It's called Bitcoin and the American dream. And our very own uh, Charlotte Charlene Federapo and Lamar Wilson, along with Jimmy Song and several other individuals wrote a book to really speak to lawmakers about what we need to be doing in this space. And we're going to keep visiting some of these things because it is imperative that if you have the opportunities to support a candidate, who is forward thinking and progressive, we need to support those candidates because we need to get our, our, you know, we need to get heard the things that we not even just get heard. These things need to be implemented because I'm sick and tired of us, you know, people telling us that they're going to do things for us. And then at the end of the day, we don't get our things done. And it seems like everybody else gets their things done, but our agenda is not met. Um, and I am, Really, really working hard to see that I can work and contribute. And I'm going to just put it out there to let everybody know that I have been working hard to get a hold of the actual literature. Now I can get a hold of the actual PDF that's on Ice Cube's website in reference to the contract with Black America. But after reading it some time ago when I did read it, I really realized one of the elements that was missing was Bitcoin. And so um, I'm working to add that to uh, his contract if he wishes to do that so that we can really give our community a blueprint, a blueprint or a black print for that matter as to which direction we need to be going. And I think that what he has laid down is really a really strong uh, argument. And I don't think that a lot of us had the opportunity to take a look at it or even give him a chance uh, to explain it. And I, and I know that, um, you know, this is an opportunity for us to be life changers, game changers, community changers. And so I think my partnering or not even partnering my giving my two Satoshi's instead of two cents, my two Satoshi's to uh, Ice Cube as it relates to the economic part of his um, his blueprint or black print for the black community on a contract with the black community would absolutely help. And so one of the other things that I wanted to bring up today, because, you know, our community, I don't know, Folks have been in my DMs. They've asked, well, what about Ethereum or what about Solana? And what about I made money and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, you know, you never talk about other things. And I'm just going to be quite honest with you all, ladies and gentlemen. I have an exchange where I can sell any cryptocurrency that I actually want to. But the fact of that matter is that for my community, I want to ensure that what I am giving you are, are, are talking to you about is for sure. And I'm going to say that. And I know people say, you know, nothing is for sure. But based on my dissecting of the technology, 
Bitcoin is the only coin that I feel comfortable feeding to my community. And I'm going to say that because I want to make sure that we're clear. I'm not hating on Ethereum. I'm not hating on Solana. I'm not hating on people that make money in those markets. But what I do know is what people that have money that are looking to hedge against the dollar that are looking and being forward thinking about what is about to come in our very near future. They are rocking with Bitcoin. And I opened up Forbes magazine today and the headline in their blockchain and crypto section. And I know you can't believe everything that you want to believe in, in the news, but I will tell you this that I do know is that it stated the market is not quite ready says the Bitcoin billionaire. He says he has a serious warning as the price of Ethereum, BNB, Solana, Cardano, XRP, and Luna suddenly crash. And again, there are 16,000 other cryptocurrencies out there. Some were meant and created to extract funds from your bank account. And they've been doing quite well. Some are utilized as money. We talked about money can be anything that someone is willing to trade or barter or give you for goods and services. That's what money is. Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, they, it, can be, it can be anything. But what we've got to forward look at is what does this look like in five years? Because we shouldn't be focusing on the now. While some of us need to be focusing on our now, we need to be focusing on the future of this space. So this Bitcoin billionaire stated today, or he stated sometime, but Forbes just put it out there, that we need to be very cautious in what we are investing in. And so he put that out there as there began to be some pri some problems uh, in the cryptocurrency space, but not in the Bitcoin space. And I also want to say to you, look at the power and leverage of what this billionaire just did with his company. Remember, I said that it is our hopes that we never, ever sell our Bitcoin. So that means we have to have some strategies in place for get, taking loans out against that asset, against that property called Bitcoin. And as this space grows, those things are going to be made readily available to you. But not only will they be made readily available to you, it is our hopes that we've utilized these products to figure out what works best for our community. Not what works best for everybody else, but what works, works best for our community specifically, our situation. So that being said, I always pay attention to what other people are doing in the space. And what I noticed was that one of these companies from this billionaire, he took his Bitcoin from his company that they hold in treasury. They put $205 million worth of Bitcoin. They took a loan against it to buy more what? To buy more Bitcoin. Ladies and gentlemen, it is game on because I am telling you that these billionaires that are already in this space are trying to acquire as much Bitcoin as they can. And think about it. 
He took $205 million worth of Bitcoin, took out a loan against it, and bought more Bitcoin. So he's paying the interest on what he got loaned out, but he's staking his whole $205 million on the fact worth of Bitcoin on the fact that the Bitcoin that he is in turn buying is going to be worth way more than what he uh, actually took a loan on. And then he'll be able to pay that loan back and then realize, oh my goodness, it's an incredible move. And because of what he's doing, the stock price of his company is threefold since he first began buying Bitcoin. Ladies and gentlemen, all the distractions are out there. And I'm not going to say that other coins are not making people money, but please, I beg you to pay attention to what is going to be most important in the next five years. And it's not going to be all these other coins. Yes, get your Ethereum because you're supporting an artist in the NFT space. Yes, get your Solana because you're supporting somebody who has an NFT because that's how a lot of you are coming into this space. But make sure your foundation is built. And these folks are making sure that their foundation is in place. When we look up. They are just going to be the richest people ever. And so are we because we are putting um, making sure that we're getting a little bit. We can't do two, uh, 205 million, but we can sure do two hundred and five dollars or two dollars and fifty cent. But ladies and gentlemen, we come forward. We're going to talk about something that Facebook is getting ready to do. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Old money. New money, new money. We've got you covered. Keep it locked to the midday money chain on KBLA Talk 1580. April is National Minority Health Month, as designated by the CDC. And KBLA Talk 1580's Urban Family Focus is presenting Cancer in the Black Community. Every Saturday in April. Urban Family Focus host Gerald Smith will be focusing weekly on a cancer that disproportionately affects our community. Each show features a top black specialist accompanied by a cancer survivor or a member of a community organization or support group that helps people through the treatment process. So be sure to tune in to Urban Family Focus at 7 a.m. every Saturday morning during the month of April. These shows could save your life or the life of someone you love. This is something that requires support. Unapologetically progressive, unapologetically proactive. KBLA Talk 1580. Talk 1580. Talk 1580. Talk 1580. Let's get back to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Well, some of you may or may not know that um, since we're talking about Congress and the House of Representatives and all those things, uh, some of you may or may not know that Facebook was dreaming of creating their own global cryptocurrency. And I was just wondering why uh, Mark Zuckerberg was being so quiet. You know, he had to go before the Senate. He had to do some some Senate hearings and some different things because they really wanted him to shut that system down. He didn't want they didn't want any Facebook cryptocurrency coming along. And um, I kind of sat back and I looked at that situation and I really had a smile on my face because uh, when he was talking, it wasn't so much that I was smiling because he was there talking to them about his cryptocurrency, but to know that a platform could have such a major impact on our government, like they were shaking in their boots because if cryptocurrency had been introduced, um, 
had this coin come out of Facebook, man, it would have immediately been in the hands of millions and millions and millions of people around the United States because Facebook is a force to be reckoned with. And if they had their own global cryptocurrency, uh, a lot of governments, centralized governments would have been in trouble. But not only that, uh, Facebook was going to have a centralized currency. In fact, if you read anything about their papers, uh, the paper that they wrote on their actual coin, um, that coin was designed for you to only be able to buy goods and services and do things on the Facebook platform. You weren't going to be able to take it off and put it into your own wallet and all of those things. And so uh, what Facebook started doing is having to go before our government and talk about this cryptocurrency that they were terrified about. And so I kind of watched that and I really wanted to see like how they were really reacting to him. And then all of a sudden, Facebook got kind of quiet. And I've just been really, and you know, they're not going to give anybody any pr proprietary information. And you only see things as it comes out into the media. Well, a little birdie told me and then I started seeing a little bit of media about it that Facebook is about to get into the cryptocurrency exchange business. So they want to be like a, a Gemini or a Kraken or or a crypto blockchain plug or Bitcoin bank, which they won't. Um, but they're getting ready to do this and they are gearing up to launch this cryptocurrency exchange. What I do know is so far based on the little bit of information that has been leaked out is that if you buy your Bitcoin on Facebook, it's going to be like the Venmo platform. It's going to be like the SoFi platform as well as, let's see, PayPal, Venmo, SoFi, Webull. You cannot pull your Bitcoin off their platform. Now, why is that surprising to us? It's not because we know Mark Zuckerberg. We know that he has been selling our data. He has been there's a whole lot of stuff going on with fake uh, with Facebook as it relates to our personal information, the algorithms, the things that they're doing, the listening in to us on our cell phones and our cars and things of that sort. So it shouldn't be surprising that Facebook is going to allow you to buy Bitcoin, but they're going to keep it on their platform. And that's just from what I've read, the limited information that has been uh, given to me. So with that, uh, just know that once again, someone is coming into this space to take full advantage of those individuals. And because there are a lot of African-American older people, and I'm saying older, maybe 45 and up, that are still on Facebook. We don't want Facebook to be the first introduction to them in the Bitcoin space. So we really need to work hard to get the word out to our friends and family, not to buy on some of these platforms, have them listen in to KBLA Talk 1580 so we can get them straight. But ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, we're going to do our daily dollar cost average. This is KBLA and this is ahead of the crypto curve. This is Talk 1580. You're linked to the Midday Money Chain with Lynn Richardson and Naja Roberts exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. And don't be afraid to say what you see for KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Well, I have a lot of things going on in this cryptocurrency space. I just want to make sure that we're making, uh, letting everyone know what we do have going on. And I totally forgot to put it out there. Um, 
But of course, this Monday, I will be in Washington, D.C. on the steps with Clev, as she stated on the West Steps, talking uh, to our powers that be about blacks and Latinos and cryptocurrency. But then on Wednesday, I will be in Miami. Um, I'll be in Miami on Tuesday, actually. But in on Wednesday, we are going to have a wine, women and crypto at the Lyric Theater Theater uh, in Miami. So if you are in Miami, please, please, please reach out. Or if you plan on being in Miami, we're having a wine, women and crypto. I have a wine sponsor. Believe it or not. Remember, I talked to you about verticals. There's a wine company that is now selling Bitcoin wine. And so that is my new wine sponsor for all of my wine, women and cryptos. It's called Bitcoin Wine. We will have a tasting party there in uh, Miami for uh, Bitcoin 2022 conference. But my very own wine, women and crypto, it's in the evening. If you need to know about that, please reach out to me. I will get you that information. I'm on social media. All things are at Naja Roberts, no underscores, no dots. I can send you the link to get registered for that. It is a free event, uh, a very, very free event um, called Wine, Women and Crypto. And you don't have to be a woman. You can come out. So I always say uh, it's for the, the, the brave men that love us as well to come out there in Miami. And then the day after tomorrow, I have a Crypto Essentials. If you're interested in getting a deep dive about Crypto Essentials, Please reach out. Uh, there are still seats available, I think, until um, tomorrow at about five o'clock. Uh, you can still get involved in the crypto essentials that is happening on Saturday. It is virtual. Some may be in person, but uh, it is virtual in case you want that. And then, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to do our daily dollar cost average. And I say a DCA a day keeps poverty away of uh, for all ladies and men in this community, in this world, a DCA day keeps poverty away. So we're going to open up our Black Wall Street wallet. We're going to click on the purple circle. And every day this this year for the next uh, year up until um, the third. Well, up until the 28th of February, we are going to be dollar cost averaging six dollars a day so that I can show our community what it looks like to dollar cost average every day for a year. So click on those two arrows. You're going to click buy Bitcoin and then you're going to click on one time because we're doing this every day. But you can set this up and forget it. It can do it for you every single day, rain, sleet or snow. But I'm going to click on six dollars and I am going to hit continue. It's going to show me how much Bitcoin I am getting. Uh, Satoshi's, which is a Bitcoin, the smallest increment of a Bitcoin is a Satoshi. And voila. I have $6 worth of Satoshis. Um, that is how I am dollar cost averaging my way to own an entire Bitcoin someday. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, you can do that too. I hope that you all are taking note of that. And what I do want you to do is not touch that dial because we are making way for the DL Hughley show because ladies and gentlemen, we are creating Satoshi millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time. And that, ladies and gentlemen, means you. Don't touch that dial. This is KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.